Hey, this is Mark with Magpie Coffee Roasters here, and we are up in the mix. Welcome to another edition of Up in the Mix, coming to you hot from the Hunnicombe Hideout. This is Sean, a.k.a. The Truth, a.k.a. The Super Nicest, a.k.a. The Nar, Mr. R, a.k.a. Not the Black Dude you thought I was. This is Caesar, a.k.a. De La Foto, your favorite neighborhood in Mexico, Mexico, Mexican. <laughs> Ernesto, Captain Culo, Coach, Mr. Brunch, a local also, the poppy with the dad body, the brown man in the yacht club. How the fuck did he get here? El Hombre de la Gente, the <laughs> habitual line crosser, the honey badger, and the fucking baby whisperer. So what up, what up, Mr. Baby Whisperer? Yeah. I don't how know. are things going? Things are going good. Um, just hanging out with the baby. Doing... We took last week off, right? I didn't take last week off. We did a podcast last week? I can't remember. I thought we did. Yeah. Not. Oh, did we take it? Did we take it off? Yes. No, uh, or did we have, was Niles last week? It was Niles last week. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't remember if you got out of town or not last week. Yeah, no, I might leave town this weekend. Okay. Yeah, going to, no, nah, just excited. Like, it's just like no vacation. Just keep working and grinding, hanging out with the baby, editing photos. You know, it's fall, so fall portraits, you know. Holler at your boy if you need some, even though the leaves are almost done. <laughs> but uh, there's still some trees with leaves on there. But like that, hanging out with the baby. We got a weekend in San Francisco coming up, which I'm really excited. I've been wanting to do uh, Day of the Dead in San Francisco for a while. And, um, you know, if you guys don't know, it's Dia de los Muertos. And it is to, um, um, it's like a ceremony for the people that passed away and make uh, little altars for them and stuff like that. And in San Francisco, they do a walk in the mission. They start like in the center of the mission on like 24th and Mission, I believe. And they walk to a park, I believe, like Garfield Park. And the people got altars there set up and stuff like that. So I'm very excited for that. Take pictures. How long and, do they leave the altars up for? I don't know exactly. Okay. I'll find out You'll next week. Listen that in. would be beautiful to go to, mm-hmm. I think. And there's one happening here, too, in um, off, Wells. off of Wells. So you guys, it's on Saturday the 2nd, if you guys are interested. Check it out. It's from mm-hmm. my, over there by... Uh, Arena Little Theater mm-hmm. down to Plaza Maya. There's two. There's two separate things going on. So check mm-hmm. that. Make sure you check that out. Yeah, and then I need to get out of town. So I gotta get the fuck out of Dodge. I've been here too long. Mm-hmm. How's your week, Sean? It was great. Just got back literally like an hour ago from the bay. <laughs> yeah, I uh, went down there uh, Friday to see uh, the 20th anniversary of Most Def, aka Yasin Bay's his Black on Both Sides. So they had a special concert. They're only do, they did one there, and they're doing one in Brooklyn. That's it. And that's it. That's awesome. So it was uh, you know, the Souls of Mischief opened up. Then they had Slick Rick, the Ruler. Then they had Buster Rhymes with special guest Spliff Star. And then they had um, Erica Badu with a full band. And lastly, Yasin Bey played the entire Black on Both Sides album. 
Oh, Great show at the Greek Theater. Man. Salutes to JT, Jamal, mm-hmm. a.k.a. my doppelganger, for uh, <laughs> hooking us up with the tickets. We're going to have to take him to sushi or take him out to dinner or something to thank him because yeah. he hooked us up with the tickets. But uh, Ian, a.k.a. the Godfather, a.k.a. <laughs> Emic, was there yeah. having a good time. Hip Hop Johnny and his girlfriend mm-hmm. and my lady. So Orlando and uh, his lady and his brother, they were all down there but with a bunch of the people. So it was good times. A lot of people yeah. from Reno there representing. I was definitely very jealous. I wanted to go, but, you know, different responsibilities nowadays. Yeah. So it was, it was a good time. Was, you know, we went to that. The show was amazing. The, um, it was really good. We were mm-hmm. talking. Buster Rhymes just kills it. Like, he came out there with so much energy and absolutely just destroyed the stage. Dude. And it was just him and Splissoir of, like, his hype man. Yeah. Uh, but he knows how to work a crowd, and Dude. he knows he's, he's he is that way. I I, w- mm-hmm. I was thinking about that at one point. I was watching a Tiffany Haddish special, and I was like, if Busta Rhymes and Tiffany Haddish could have a kid, that kid would tear a hole in the, Jesus. The kid would in fucking reality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would bend time. So much energy, and he's so yoked. Yeah. He's so he just walk around the stage. I'm like, I, I'm like, I need, I want to look like that when I'm fucking fifty. Right, right. Look, that's right, that's right. my goal, right? Like, right. He's, he's, he's so yoked. He's so massive. That people get attracted to him, like yeah. just like a planet, and then like yeah, was, literally like drawn into his being, to his gravity. Yeah, and he has no neck anymore. <laughs> it was super cool. Like he's seeing him and Split Star and their mm. DJ, this white dude. He's like, the three of us have known each other since we were ten years old. They're like, we're living, uh, you know, like his dreams, my dream, my dreams, his dream. Mm. He's like, we just been doing this, you know, since we were ten, the three of us, and we're doing it like yeah. you know thirty something years later. So like they, you know, he thanked him for that. Like he's like, this is my man, Buster Rhymes. I've known him, blah blah blah. This is, and then the DJ too. Like the three of them like met in fucking wherever in New York City when they yeah. were kids, dude. But like Buster Rhymes, like five, it's like top two livest shows I've ever been to. It's like Buster Rhymes and Method Man and Red Man are the livest shows I've ever fucking been to. I mean, he, it's he, wild. You he, feel his energy from yeah. across the way. And like he said, it, it was perfect because like Souls of Mischief opened up. People were still getting there. Slick Rick, people were settling in. The sun was like almost down completely when Slick Rick was going. And he did a good job. Like he did all of his classics. And he came out for most Def set to do Auditorium. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Buster Rhymes, like it was the, for, like the sun was down. It was completely dark. It was mostly full. And he came out. Like I looked at Ian. I'm like, this shit's about to get crazy. Mm-hmm. And he, like halfway through his set, I was like, "This is." Everyone's like, "This isn't even." The, there's two more acts after this, <laughs> right? 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 Yeah, uh, you're not even really. Yeah. What were you halfway through at that? Yeah, point? halfway. Yeah. 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 Erica Bad- and then Erica Badu was came out mm. and she fucking killed it. Went long though, but, you know. And then Yasin Bay went and got cut off because they have noise ordinances at eleven. You got to cut off, and since Erica Badu had run over, but I mean. We enjoyed every single moment of it. It was mm. fucking and Buster Rhymes. You just forget how many good fucking songs he has. Yeah. Again, I'd seen him before, mm. and I've said the same thing last. <laughs> last time he was only he only performed like a half hour during Rock the Bells, so they had to like do a bunch of medleys. But this time it was like every song he was stopping like screaming. He's like, "No, fuck that. They're not ready. They're not <laughs> ready." He's like, "He's like, you know the words to my motherfucking song. You sing fucking it. sing it with us." Yeah. And then he would like have the crowd practice with no beat or anything. Yeah. And then you're like, "All right, start that shit up again." Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, after that, like people were Erica. They were finishing Erica Badu. Like they sang one of her whole like the the Tyrone song. Like she just held. She was like, "Turn the lights on in the crowd because you guys all know it." And like mm. every single woman in that stadium was singing her, like was finishing <laughs> oh, the song. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
The most FL black. He, he it was it was great. It was great. Yeah, you had a great weekend. Yeah, then we stayed in San Francisco mm. the rest of the weekend. Did some sightseeing. Dodging fires and shit. <laughs> had to dodge <laughs> fires on the way back. Yeah. But I had some good, yeah, had fun in downtown San Francisco last night. So here we are, back with a special guest for this new episode. Mm-hmm. We have a returning guest. We interviewed him uh, like a year and a half ago. Something like that. One of the first. Yeah, he was one of, you know, one of our earlier interviews. But welcome back to the poet. And then also, when was the one you did... Oh, you at were at the, at the public public house. house for the second year anniversary. I yeah, forgot he was the, on then. The start of the second season. Second season, yeah. So mm. when are y'all coming up on your? This, uh, we're almost done. With we're almost two. done. This is this is you're the almost end. to your third season. Yeah. yeah, man, time flies. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show, Jesse James Thank Ziegler. You. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, what have you been up to since that was last? I think last February when we had you on. Well, uh, it's interesting. Uh, being just greatly affected by my environment, and by that I mean not just the Reno Sparks area, but being affected by how present we're almost forced to be through the saturation of media. I've gone inward in many ways. I've kind of retreated inward and tried to come up with, rather than being the most focused on uh, performing a lot myself. I've been more focused on attending as many performances as I can and talking to as many people as I can and, you know, interviewing people and, and just sitting and listening and hearing what other people have to say and how they're affected by the current state of affairs. Yeah. Just like every political uh, weather related drama, like take your pick in today's world, you can strike sparks anywhere, but um, just trying to absorb as many parts of other people's stories as I can in an attempt to figure out how I can either help or continue to be inspired in a world where my mental health is shaky to begin with if you know i'm just being honest like poetry is my way of dealing with the fact that this is a difficult world like i have used the tagline before simple verse for complicated times like the idea that it's my outlet it's my release it's my therapist it's my teacher uh I was reading a book on comparative religious studies the other day uh, just for my own interest uh, called The Conspiracy of Love by Kurt Struckmeyer, and it was come, just railing against a lot of the things in the contemporary church. But one thing I noticed that I loved is that he gave a paragraph of what he thought a good and amazing church should be. And I remember stopping while reading the book and thinking every single thing in this paragraph, word for word, is what I get out of being in the poetry collective that I'm in. Like that sense of belonging, that sense of uh, people of different perspectives are still welcome to sit at the table and let's talk about some of these issues. And it just struck me that like it's that the poetry collective that I'm speaking of, Spoken Views Collective, is on that level for me. It's like chosen family. It's like going to church. It's architecturally speaking. That's my third space, like where I want to spend the most time besides where I work and where I live. Um, And I just want to pour myself into it. And uh, so what I've been working on, kind of a long winded answer to your question 
is ultimately my creative goal is to just take poetry as far as I can as one individual, whether that's hosting special events or writing and creating and self-publishing my own books or being a performer at events and being like a, a political activist of, of sorts, showing that I can be an ally for other groups that maybe are right and are telling the truth and are disenfranchised anyway and don't necessarily have the power that they should have. Uh, maybe in today's tumultuous world, I can help make a difference uh, because I don't have any kids of my own. I've got time to dedicate to causes that other people with families don't necessarily have that same time. Nice. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at. I've got an event coming up at the uh, Bruca Theater. Before we get into that. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Tell what What's your new position there? Yeah. You got, you got named... What, well, the poet laureate. No, well, I the, okay. My our uh, fellow collective member Pan Pantoja is the Reno poet laureate. Salute is to his, Pan. his mm -hmm. title and well deserved. I love Pan, great poet, great storyteller, truly an artist. And I'm seeing him do that. I want to be that as well. Like I want to be Reno's poet laureate someday. Obviously not right now because he's doing it just fine <laughs> and holding it down. But at some point in my life, that's a professional goal is to be Reno's poet laureate and take that role. So because that's a professional goal, I went where I always, uh, not always, but where I already had established relationships to the Bruca Theater. And I talked to Mary Bennett there. And I pose the idea of I've been involved in quite a few plays now uh, on the in the community theater circuit and had some sort of, you know, critical acclaim and success from doing that, you know, like a Reno famous level, but not anything on like a L.A. or New York level. Right, Just, right. Yeah, yeah. you know, people who are into theater here in Reno and no, that's no their you. thing. They know me. <coughs> Part of it also is being willing to volunteer at the box office and put out programs and help sweep and just do the dirty work that people don't necessarily want to do so that the place can keep its doors open. So you get to meet people that way too, not just being on stage, but also being stage manager and whatnot. And so because of the idea of a playwright in residence, uh, the playwright in residence for good luck Macbeth theater is the one who wrote the play where my wife and I met. And so I had this idea in my head years ago of, well, what if a theater could have a poet in residence? And I could have kind of put that idea on the back burner because we live in a world where it's hard to put butts in the seats at a live production of a professional theater. And usually if the, the livelihood of the theater life in a city is in question and kind of struggling, then usually the poetry scene is even further behind that as far as the people who are willing to go pay right, to right, see to poetry events. It, yeah to support it financially. Uh, so I put it on the back burner, but then the, it was always there. It was what I always kept coming back to. I kept being asked if I wanted to be a part of these plays, but I, I kept going back to my true love, my first love, which is poetry. And I don't know extremely high amounts about like slam poetry competitions. I'm still kind of new to that level of poetry in my life, but I've always been somebody that was like a quiet kid that if I was, you know, upset with my dad, I'd go to my room and I didn't mind being grounded because I had paper and pencils and I could write <laughs> or I'd go off in the corner of the property with the dog and there was no other people around and I would write or, um, just, you know, in college when I would have 
tough times with relationships or tough times in jobs or whatever. The through line, the thing that was always there was that I would come home and I would always, even if it was 2 a.m. and I had just gotten back from the bars and I should be just going to bed, if I had something going on in my head, the way that I got it out was onto the page. And through that sense of feeling alone and through that sense of feeling like it's me against the world, but going to events where poetry has been read, I've met a lot of other people that also felt like they were alone and also felt like it was them against the world. And then next thing you know, you have this family of people that none of them are alone because they all love this beautiful art form and they're all just doing their own thing within that art form and sharing whatever it is that they are led to share through that art form in response to whatever the powers that be are doing politically or whatever is going on environmentally, or maybe some CEO made a decision or somebody said something in the sports world. But poetry has that immediate response that you don't have to go through the buying the rights to perform the material because you're performing original material and you don't have to go buy the costumes and the makeup and do rehearsals with 20 people over the course of three to four months like <laughs> you do with a play. You can just write a poem that day and, and go to go an open night. Yeah, that night and it's completely relevant. It's completely what everybody knows happened that day because most everybody that you run into is online and, and hooked into the kind of the pulse of the world. So would you say you like poetry more than acting? I do. I, I do. I, for me, uh, creatively, it is uh, poetry first, uh, then independent film. Um, I'm sorry, poetry first, then photography, <laughs> then independent film. A man of many hats. Then yeah. uh, live theater are my like top four in that order. Okay. As how far as you... how I'm fed by uh, material and, and creation as a process. How did you get into acting? It was yeah. just that just hanging, being around Bruca and getting, I mean, well, I first, <laughs> fans asked me to be in many a play. <laughs> uh, originally, like we're going clear the way, all the way back. I went to a tiny school out in the sticks, seven miles outside of Grass Valley in this little tiny school. But we, when I, anyway, I was in sixth grade, we had a teacher because our teacher at that time had a friend that was in a drama. And so she came and so sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade, each one of those three years, we did a school musical where everybody was just in it to some degree. Everybody helped out to some degree. And I couldn't sing or dance to save my life. <laughs> but the person who did it had the, came to me and said, you know, you, she didn't sugarcoat anything. She's like, you can't <laughs> sing or dance to save your life, but mm -hmm. you've got something with that voice of yours that I'd like to give you as many lines as I can where you don't have to sing and dance. Ooh, okay, and okay. so she tried to give me bigger and bigger parts, but that's harder to do. You know, like in West Side Story, I was Officer Krupke. So I wasn't <laughs> a jet or a shark. I was the cop yeah, because right. he didn't have to sing or dance. <laughs> but he had like some lines. So yeah. anyway, that led to when I first moved to Reno, I thought, well, I, I was able to, I was able to kind of meet my tribe, so to speak, when I did theater before in my life. And it had been quite a few years. So I started volunteering at the Bruca theater to just try to meet people. Cause I didn't know anybody when I moved here. I didn't know. A, I knew one person and that was my dad's old work buddies eldest daughter that I had met like <laughs> 20 years before that. Oh man. So I didn't know anybody and I just wanted to meet people to go do things with. And I didn't want to meet people necessarily 
at a warehouse where it seemed like I could be able to get a job. Like I wanted to meet people that were into the same things that I was right, into. Right. The common interest. Yeah. You know, when I would meet people at the warehouse and that's, there's nothing against a good, honest work. I work at a warehouse currently. It's more of like the people who work there that, you don't always. That, you're not always going to be friends with your coworkers. No, and the, and, the, and you and can't rely on your job no, for friends. No, you should have to, because so here, you might work with a bunch of assholes. Here yeah. we here yeah. we are years later, and uh, I know a lot of people now because this community artistically is very welcoming. If you're willing mm-hmm. to put in work and you're willing to do things and to try hard and to show up to events, you're going to get opportunities. Um, I like that it's a playground in that way. It's not necessarily as easily accessible in like LA or New York. It's more of who you already know, uh, to a certain degree, Reno's that way. But, uh, I mean, you're a stranger Yeah, for those, for people who haven't listened to the first episode, what made you move to Reno originally? Well, I'm originally from Northern California. So my family's only about an hour and a half away. So as my family's gotten older, specifically my mom and my dad, um, I've had more of this cosmic pull, even though I've lived all over the country and done a lot of traveling. I've had this cosmic pull to kind of come back to the greater Lake Tahoe region as a whole to be there for while my folks are in the winter of their lives. And <laughs> this something about the gold country, uh, high desert area. I had heard that Reno was kind of going through this resurgence uh, you know, Reno now is vastly different when, than when I was in high school. Right, right. It's right, changed definitely. quite a bit. Um, and it's changing so rapidly that I don't even really know where I fit into it anymore. Because now I've been here, it's just recently, as of the end of September, I've been here five years. And so now I'm starting to look at, well, I don't really want to move anywhere else. I want to be here because this is where that you know, the storytellers are that I'm telling stories with, whether it's through poetry in the uh, Spoken Views Collective or the Reno Film Collective or the Bruegge Theater or whatever, you know. You're in a band. I like coming to see your shows when Seven Out is playing or when, uh, you know, Pan's Weapon of Mass Creations or Peavine Prophet. Like, there's a lot of good people that I know that are doing their own thing, and I want to see what they're doing next, too. And I don't want to move out to fucking Gerlach. <laughs> because that's where I can afford to live. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Because you can't even move to Stead, can't even move to Friendly anymore, or Fallon. Lemon Valley, fucking so yeah. <laughs> as far as Red Rock, <laughs> right? Maybe yeah. Right before you get to California, so you don't got to pay those taxes. <laughs> right. Looking, you, you make a good point, though. I mean, I think Reno's various commu- creative communities are starting to come together to support each other more, and that in turn is getting more average person out there that still need more support though. Like, you know, Bruca theater, these little theaters, people should be going and seeing what's going on. It's, it's quality. It's quality. Like work art. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, when it's done well, and I've been a part of some productions that have been done really well, I would put the work that's being done, uh, you know, theatrically, uh, dancing, wise uh live music wise absolutely street murals in our street mural scene i would put almost all modalities of storytelling that reno has to offer as far as our best i'd put that up against some of the best in new york and la and chicago and miami the question is 
D- does the overall area give a shit? Yes, yeah. that's, 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 that's the that important the, part. Yeah, that that's what we, we see, talk about all look, the yeah, because yeah. we see all you out there. We see you guys making moves, mm-hmm. doing yeah. stuff. Whether it's, and we talk you know, about them all the time. Photography, mm-hmm. uh, muralist, yeah. you know, you painting, know, anything. anything, music, like anything. We see people out there, but like, like you said, it does the and it's something we talk about on the Arts and Culture Commission, like educating the community to appreciate art and educating them how to support. It's one of our goals, like mm-hmm. educating people how to support local art right? and why like it's important and like mm-hmm. how it is a benefit for like your community. Right. Yeah. Cause, like, because we, they don't know, you know. Yeah, we always talk about like someone would rather buy, like I had a conversation with Megan at Pitch Black that they had like a picture that they bought from Michael's to get reframed. And reframing it costs more than the picture was worth. When they could have bought some, you know, some local artist. Someone's actual art. Instead of like some cookie cutter stuff that they got from Getty Images or whatever. And put a frame around it. And like she was just like, are you sure you want to get this reframed? And she's like, yeah, like I love it. And like or people will buy Ikea stuff, you know, like their photographs and stuff like that. And it's like some of it's good. Like don't get me wrong. But like. Like, do we have such a good pool of local art? It here? takes time. Like, you get, that's why our thing is like, you gotta, when you've never had it, you have to educate people mm. on it. Right. Cause, right. like, you know, we were just down in Berkeley and San Francisco, and like, you know, our hotel there, the we stayed at the Hyatt, had a piece of like a huge ass sculpture in like in one part, and then like multiple scul- like public pieces of artwork. Mm-hmm. And they were taking one down, replacing it with another. Right. That stuff happens all the time there. Mm-hmm. People expect that, right? Or like the concert we went to, you know, people here like, oh, wh- who are you going to see? You know, like people are like expect those types of things to happen, right? And you know, Reno's got to get there. Yeah, Reno's always uh, always last to last to find out. I always tell and the, and the people, yeah, people have to be educated on like, look, this is all this stuff is a benefit. It like makes our city better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, the things you take for granted, like, had to start. These people had to get their – all these famous people that people in Reno love to go pay to see, like, they had to start somewhere. Right. And the people here have just as much potential as those famous people. Yeah. You and, just got to support them and get behind them. And that, and that's kind of what I to, – to kind of uh, – like, that's what I've been doing, but the why I've been doing it, the why I've been getting so into poetry is because, to me – poetry for the for the average person that let's say there's a teenage kid i don't care if it's a boy or girl doesn't matter to me let's say it's a teenage kid that's a teenager right now let's say somewhere out there there's a 15 year old kid so they're not able to drive yet and they're kind of at the whim of the parental figures or the adult figures that are in charge in their lives, whether or not those people are <laughs> qualified to be rearing children <laughs> is a different question. But they're, they're going through things like anxiety. They're going through things like depression. They're going through things like uh, perhaps uh, you know bipolar disorder, manic depression. Maybe they're going through things like being poorly diagnosed so they're on the wrong med and they have bad side effects from a med they probably shouldn't even be on and you keep on going with that list as far as things that younger kids that maybe they don't have as much hope maybe they've thought about taking you know 
a weapon to their own body to just end it all because they just don't want to live anymore. I've been there. I know what that feels like. And not just one bad day, but like a gray cloud kind of hanging over your life for years seems seemingly at a time. And because theater, I love theater. I love people who want to do theater. I love storytellers in general. But to me, for I've known a lot of people that needed some sort of drama therapy or needed some sort of artistic outlet and maybe they didn't have the money to do it on the level of theater because they were just scraping to get by and just trying to survive. Whereas almost anybody can afford a notebook and a pen. Almost anybody can approach poetry. So rather than focusing on the people in the poetry world, like maybe Andrea Gibson or um, Sarah Kay or Buddy Wakefield or some of the, you know, Neil Hilborn, some of the heavy hitters in the poetry world, Olivia Gatwood, that have more followers on Instagram. Maybe they can, maybe they're doing what I would like to be doing for a living and that they're touring all over the world and speaking poetry. And it would be thousands of dollars to get some of those people to come to Reno. I heard something that Jerry Rice said about his work ethic and not that he was a poet. He was almost good enough as a receiver to be a poet. What out he there. did on the football field. Yeah. Was poetry. Yeah. yeah. He, he was, he was in poetry motion. in motion, <laughs> but uh, he, he was something about like, I'm willing to, to work uh, to make the sacrifices today. I'm willing to do the things today that the other people aren't willing to do so that later I'll get to do the things that other people won't be able to do something along mm -hmm. those lines. And I know I'm misquoting him. His quote was better than that. <laughs> so it was poetic. Jerry, if you're listening, <laughs> greatest of all time, please don't harp on Goat me. for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also um, come on the show. Yes, please. Yeah. Come on the show. Yeah. Uh, so I take this, it's not just that I love Shakespeare or John Keats or Sylvia Plath or certain poets. And I wanted, I always wanted to be an English teacher. Not that there's anything uh, right or wrong with being an English teacher, it was more of, for me, poetry was kind of more of a matter of life and death. Like it gave me a reason to want to keep going. And so if me putting myself out there and having the same work ethic with regards to poetry that Jerry Rice had it towards football, and I just keep applying pressure everywhere that I go and keep talking to people, keep going to events, keep speaking at events, keep writing, keep taking pictures, keep doing spoken word intros to plays and just putting myself out there. Eventually enough people will know me that it's going to save somebody's life. There's going to be that kid. That's like, I want to do what that guy's doing. And they find the same outlet through this art form and this modality of storytelling that I've found and it'll save their life and it'll keep them from putting a gun in their mouth or popping too many pills or just, you know, I don't want to get into specifics, but we, you know, the collective has lost yeah, people. Yeah, right. Uh, because of some of those issues that to me, poetry can help save that's a good motive. I mean, that. that's obviously a great mm -hmm. motivating factor. Um, so that that's what that's what that's what reignited my fire is like. No, I don't want to just give up and let the powers that be in the country right now have their way and just silence my own voice. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to uh, be put back on my heels by nonsense. I'm going to be one of the people that goes down swinging. And it, it might be going down swinging. I might go down anyway, but I'm going to go down swinging. Yeah. 
We're all going down. You can't kill the you can't kill the spirit. Exactly. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So that kind of goes with my next question. Like, what are some of your uh, inspirations, po- uh, poetry wise? Like, who inspires you to write poetry, or just inspires you in general? That are the poets out there for people who maybe don't, you know, listen to poetry or read poetry. Well. Um... I, I, you know, early on, I discovered Edgar Allan Poe and I loved his dark short stories, but I also loved his poetry. And then I always loved the poem, If, by Rudyard Kipling, another poem called The Man in the Glass by Dale Winthrop. Um, I liked uh, some of the lady poets, the, you know, when you're, when you were, you know, 11 and 12 years old, your exposure to female poets at that time, pre-internet was next to nil, but I still liked Sylvia Plath and Emily Dickinson at that point in my life, in addition to folks like W.H. Auden. But as I've gotten older, singer-songwriters and uh, rappers, are that that's where the poetry is. That's the best poetry. And spoken word artists, too, that people mm-hmm. that want to do slam poetry and like want to, do, to get back to the oral tradition that it would have started as. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people that are not wanting it to just stay on a page, the people that are wanting it to be performed and wanting it to be shared. This is how you know we're in perfect synergy because the next question is like, yeah. what are your non-poetry in- inspirations? Exactly. What oh, gotcha. Well, so outside of yeah. like traditional mm-hmm. poets, which obviously yeah. you start off with traditional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, who are these singer-songwriters and, and MCs that, that you're feeling and that are inspiring you these days? Well, the... Uh, I love Ben Harper and always have. Uh, his music has just uh, helped shape my life Very in soulful. so many ways. Very soulful. Um, uh, along the lines of people that I discovered in college or thereabouts, um, he would definitely be one of them. I was raised kind of with classic rock and uh, rap. I've told this story before, but I, when I was a little kid, a buddy of mine uh, that was uh, my dad's old work friend's son, who was older than me, would come to visit when the work friend would come to visit my dad. And he had this cassette tape that wasn't labeled in the bottom of his duffel. And I was like, what's this? And he's like, I, I don't, I, a friend of mine left it at my house and I listened to it once and I don't really like it. You can have it if you want to. And that's all he said. He didn't say anything else about it. And so I kept it and he left later and I popped it in. It was like, woke up quick at about (laughs) noon, just thought that I had to be in Compton soon. And it just kept playing. And I had no idea what the tracks were called or who it was. But before I knew who the artist was or what any of the tracks were called, I knew every single word to the entire Easy E, Easy Does It album because I listened <laughs> to that tape so many times that I actually broke the tape. Uh, and, e- and then easy so, the, so the people that were like, just, it was like they were just fucking around on the mic. They were just joking around on the mic, but they were still had more control over their voice and their storytelling abilities than I ever had as a kid on my best day. I was like, <laughs> I want to be like that. And it, I got a, you know, I grew up in the country and I grew up where there wasn't much diversity. So when I would talk to people about poetry and liking rap music, I was surrounded by a lot of guys that liked country and had gun racks in the backs of their trucks that were parked on the high school campus. Like I didn't 
really fit in with that <laughs> with that love. Um, still, still don't. <laughs> but I went to take an SAT, like a pre-SAT or an SAT class or whatever, and it was down by Grant High School near Sacramento. And I remember, he, like, it was going to take an SAT class, but it was on the campus, and there was some sort of classroom that was open that I was walking by. And I remember just being young, and I just barely got my driver's license. And I was the definitely the lightest skinned person of anybody in that room. And they were just going off on the microphone. It was some sort of high school club that was like a spoken word club that was just going off. And I thought, <laughs> that's what I like that's what I want to do. I uh. I stopped in the hallway. You know, I'm like almost missed my SAT <laughs> that I was supposed to be going there for. And, uh, and people would tell me where I was from. They're like, you went down to Grant to get your SAT? That, don't you know somebody was shot down there? And like people would talk about all the violence and whatnot. But there seemed to be some sort of connection between people who kind of grew up around a lot of violence and the art that they created that I didn't have. Like I could tell from a very early age that I didn't have that sense of like perspective on life. no i did no i did i could tell that i lacked that and rather than looking down on the people who seemed to have that perspective it was like what do they have that i don't have and i looked at them as having something that i didn't have and that i wanted to have um which is an interesting way of looking at things because people you know like the people you're surrounded would be like the opposite right Right. Yeah. They would, they would, they would look down on it or be like, you know, you know, what the fuck are you saying? I can't even understand you when you talk. And I'm like, okay, so let's, let's go through country music then. Like what, what do you, what do you get when you play country music backwards? You know, people talk about devil's influence. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. When you play music, what do you get when you, well, if you play country music backwards, you get your dog back, you get your wife back, you get your house back, mm -hmm. you get your job. And the guy just got pissed at me for making a joke that was anti-country music. But I'm like, look, <laughs> when it's done well, it's all about storytelling, What, regardless of the genre of yeah, music. When it's done true. well, it's about storytelling. And that's what I'm drawn to. And this way of telling stories spoke to me from a very mm -hmm. early age uh, and I don't know what it was about it. It was just something where I felt I could tell that I was going to have to travel and I was going to have to get away from where I was raised to gain the perspective that I might feel as though I had anything that was worth sharing, but that that's what I wanted to do because I wanted to be a part of that group of storytellers like there was no part of me as a little kid that was like i want to go into business when i get older like i didn't <laughs> like how, I, how old were you made this decision mm, how old were yeah. you high school like oh, 16 well later on i still had i always knew that i wanted to write poetry i always knew that that i I didn't always knew that i know that i wanted to do something with it as far as like my main source of output of energy um you know I, I work in a warehouse 40 hours a week and that pays the bills and i have benefits and i have a set schedule but why i like being there is because i'm done at 4 p.m so i get to go to all these things mm -hmm. um i think a lot of my life i've put so much stock in if i was just with so-and-so or if i would just could be with so-and-so and make them happy then i would be happy that that bottomed out and so many relationships that have just failed 
because I put too much stock in him or I was too intense or it wasn't the right person or whatever. It didn't work out for whatever reason that I've been forced to come back to who am I and what, like how, why am I still alive? Cause I've done a lot of stupid things in my life that I probably should have killed me. Why am I still alive and what should I be doing with my life and how can I help make a difference in the world that seems to be falling apart faster than people are putting it back together. Um, and I know a lot of amazing people that give me hope and that give me a sense of, uh, inspiration you know creatively the two of you guys doing this i mean this is your this is our 80 what i don't even know 80th episode something like that yeah so yeah. you've been doing this for a while now and you do it because you love it mm -hmm. you do it because you like to ask interesting questions of interesting people and gain perspective and i think that if if more people were willing to try to make it their personal goal to gain perspective there would be nowhere near as much death in the world. <laughs> Very true. Word. Yeah. <laughs> Truer words were never spoken. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, so it's it's something I love. It's something I'm going to continue to do. I don't really know what it looks like in a sense of that's what's difficult about the arts. There is no recipe for success there is no like just do these 26 steps in this <laughs> order and you will achieve success it doesn't right, work that right. way yeah. it, a lot of it is who you know so you have to build those relationships yeah out. you have mm -hmm. to take that time and put in that work and go to those events and underrated skill in life yeah. is building and maintaining relationships with people yeah, yeah. i mean I, there's so many things i mean just this weekend like being you know be, being friends with people i used to not know got me those tickets, you know, tickets to the show. Yeah. Right. And people I didn't, wasn't used to be friends with, didn't used to be friends with, I am still now. Mm -hmm. People who I met, like Ian, who I knew 15 years ago, barely, but we're still friends now. Right. You know, we had to end up having a great time. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Even if it's simple things like that. You just build relationships. Yeah, especially with the Godfather, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was talking about Michael mm -hmm. K, but Michael K didn't come out. So let's mm -hmm. see Ian. Next. Yeah. Yeah, good job. Michael K's his doppelganger. When he, it used to be his doppelganger. Okay. When he would get uh, lost in the lost sauce. Lost in the sauce, but he doesn't like Michael K coming out anymore. He's like, I'm, uh, he's, he's like, I'm in a committed relationship. <laughs> Michael K. <laughs> Michael K. Michael K's moved on. <laughs> All right. So that's awesome. My next question: When is the Jesse Z album coming out? <laughs> Well, it, it's not an album, uh, but it is a book. Oh, so yeah, the see? book mm -hmm. is uh, the release of the Bruca Theater, Theater and New Works Festival, is happening in just a little bit over a week. It starts on November 6th and goes through November 10th. And it is a series of readings and performances that are all supposed to foster that idea of, you know, kind of bridging that gap, like getting new just pieces in. Like it started out as a one-act theater festival where people would write plays. And then they saw the potential through talking to me and other people that are into things like poetry and perhaps things that are related to theater and similar. Um, 
so now it's adopted the theater and other new works festivals. So I use that as an excuse to bust my butt uh, <laughs> and to, to go through everything specifically that I've written since I moved here. So I moved here September 25th, 2014. So anything that I'd written between September 25th, 2014 and when the show will be, which is November 8th, 2019, it was fair game. Of all of that body of work, I chose 177 poems that I comprised into a book that I wrote every piece, edited every piece, and curated every piece myself. Uh, it came out to 155 pages. Uh, because I'm doing everything myself and I'm poor, I created one master copy that's the same size as legal uh, standard paper, and I will have 12 copies that are chapbook size, all the same poems, same number of pages, but that will be smaller in size and uh, everything is printed double-sided on the pages so it's less pieces of paper that are needed. 12 copies, it's the first printing, first edition. And then if, the, if I'm able to sell those 12 copies for 20 a piece, then that will give me enough money to keep having more books made so that while I'm at these events anyway, whether it's at the Holland Project or the Bruca Theater or Sierra Arts Foundation or West Street Market or the steps of the federal courthouse, wherever I'm doing poetry, because we do it all over the place, I could always have a you know a couple copies in my backpack if somebody wants to actually hear my mm -hmm. stuff or, or know my stuff. Then the next step after that is because I want it to be accessible to people. Like I want to know that there's people out there that are making even less money than I do that could have access to great art. That's my goal is to help the season theme for Bruca this year is the bridge. Their 27th season of consecutive years in business as a theater right in the heart of downtown, which is not easy to do in a city that's known for gambling and for other kinds of shows mm -hmm. than theater <laughs> shows. Um, but 27 years consecutively. So for the duration of that season, I'll be the poet in residence and the season theme is the bridge. And so I want to bridge more between theater and poetry. And I want to bridge more between great art and people who don't have as much money. So I have a digital format that's just the PDF format of my book that I'm willing to email people for five bucks. And that's they're getting like a, something I spent years of my life working on as well as a few pictures for five bucks after the eighth. And I'm trying to figure out how to be able to take credit cards as a payment. But basically it's a matter of me working my butt off to say, here's a stack of who I am as a person that I'd like for you to have for this low amount of money because the money is just a way for me to keep doing it. It's not necessarily that that's my job. It's the just a way for force. me to keep doing you it. You got to start somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm doing. And I also want to create an album. I've got some pieces. Uh, Ian, that you mentioned before, is into making beats. We know I know a lot of people that are way more musically inclined than myself, that are way more talented than myself musically. I would love to do more collaborations. I would love to do more things that start out as spoken word pieces that end up being on a full as a fully laid track on an album that's a collective album i would love to do more projects like that but part of it starts as um if i put myself out there as an artist and i'm willing to be vulnerable and say i'm willing to put out 45 minutes of my own material and then i also have the amazing poet elisa garcia who's head of the syria literary cooperative 
who is also in Spoken Views Collective. I listen. I mean, she was been on the show twice. Yeah, yeah. she was on uh, what a month and a half ago. Like so her perspective, because I want to gain perspective, her perspective, I think very well complements mine. Like I think the two of us together as the only two people for the show, I think anybody in the audience will have something, will get something that they like mm-hmm. out of the show from her perspective and my perspective kind of melting together for one show. And she's going to do probably at least four, if not five pieces of her own. We're going to work on hopefully by the time the show comes getting a team piece done. If not, then that'll be ready for the Poets of the Caribbean. That's the next one after that, which will be Saturday, April 11th of next year during National Poetry Month. And the theme of that one is going to be just simply the word residence. So I'm leaving it open and abstract. If people want to talk about the idea that I'm poet in residence or what it is to live inside a home instead of being houseless, then they can talk about that in relation to residence. If they want to talk about the border crisis and everything that goes along with tumultuous behavior in both uh, you know Mexico and all of Central America and North Central uh, South America uh, that we've essentially caused as a country, all of these refugee issues, or maybe not all of them, but we've caused a fair a, number. A lot of them. We've oh, caused yeah. a lot of them. <laughs> um, so uh, th- these are some of the issues that are, to me, some of the most pressing issues that we're facing today. Uh, and I just want to continue to be relevant to the issues in the news, but also people's individual woundedness and how poetry as an art form can continue to heal in ways that I don't necessarily believe that popping pills can always heal. And I like poetry side effects more than, you know, Xanax <laughs> as an example. Yes. So again, when's the show? Tell the people details. Friday, November 8th at the Bruca Theater, which is 99 North Virginia. Uh, that is part of the festival. So you can get a full festival pass. I believe the full festival pass price is $40. It might be 45 and that you can go see anything in the festival. If you just want to come see my show, it's $10. But then there's also the following night, Saturday night, November 9th, is the Poet Laureate performance where Pan Pantoja will be performing with Weapons of Mass Creation as Poem Man. So there's more than one poetry event in the festival. But mine is called Poets of the Caribbean 5, because five is also the title of the book that I'm releasing, and it's also the fifth poetry show that I will be hosting in Reno, Nevada. So it's just easy to remember. Five, 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 just all remember five. If I if Yeah. And five is an acronym for faith and various experiences, because that's what life has taught me. I've gotten way better education from the road than from the classroom in my life as one individual. Me too. <laughs> I fall in that category. Funny how that works out. Yeah. Well, uh, mm-hmm. make sure you guys check out that uh, show at Bruca. Uh, go to the website. And then uh, if they want to follow you on social media, how can they? Uh, Sideways 8 Projects is the main Instagram account. Through that, you can find out more information about Poets of the Caribbean as a special event series. You can find out more information about Spoken Views Collective. And you can find out more information about some of my international travel that I've gone on. But the main site for my poetry and my photography is Sideways 8 Projects. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Caesar, you want to tell them uh, as we go into the first break what your song of the week is? Uh, since summer's officially over, you know, Summer's Out by Vic Mensa. Um, you know, just explaining that summer is gone. All mm-hmm. right. 
Cuffin season has arrived. Listen and enjoy. Your body when it's moonlit Shout out to Ashton, my life a movie All up a joint, get hot and cool Call Mickey Mouse, your man a goof I know, you know And I'm rolling up the hydro and pronto Got me on Pluto Yeah, can't fit your friends in sight Cause the Harley is a Tudo Skinny dipping in the ocean water Same color as Nouveau And my pockets on sumo Summer's almost over, it's a substance roller coaster. Oh, yeah. oh, I Summer's almost over, and you know I'm never sober. Grab a cup, pump some up. Let's get summer's let's get let's get started. roller coaster. Split the Dutch, brothers Let's get summer's let's get let's get tired. Never sober. Oh, yeah. Hands off, pull them to the side. Ends up, roller coaster ride. Put that on me, ride. Now I'm in between the thighs. We finna send a jive. And we about to send a night on up. I'm sorry. Turn it up at the party. In a minute, I could die. Resurrect when I'm beside it. Ride it. Like a fucking roller coaster ride. I, I, I. Uh, grab a cup. Pull some up. Let's get some, let's get, let's get started. Split the Dutch, run the runs. Let's get some, let's get, let's get time. Never so sorry. Are we just getting started? Call me over. Pull the past to the side. I need to feel it. Give me all of your love and ride it slow. Take it faster, faster. Just start. Just start. That was Summer's Over by Vic Mensa. We said Summer's Out before. But Summer's Over, Vic Mensa. He's definitely gone a different way with his uh, his music than when he started. He was pretty hard. like Yeah, and I love that he loves to take chances. He has that uh, collab album with 99 Punk, I think. And, and he also takes chances in this video when he was wearing what people were calling a dress, but it was uh, what's this, a kilt. You know, mm-hmm. and he was specifically like making a statement out there, like a black man can wear a dress, like like thing, you know. And he likes to push the. Oh, he pushes the boundaries, and I love it. Yeah, his Should, last album mm-hmm. was all over the place. It was mm-hmm. super crazy. He's had some good songs on it still. And yeah, and it's he's not like, going to be pigeonholed into one exactly. Thing. And he's just pushing, like like we said, pushing the boundaries of like himself being a black man and like. And politically and everything like that, you know, 
One of the finest from Chicago. So salutes to Vic Mensa. Mm-hmm. Keeping it real out there. Yes. As always. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got world news is next. <laughs> Been kind of a crazy week. Um, first thing, you want to talk about the Chile protests. Dude, Chile is walling out. People are getting shot left and right out there. So they're trying to protest like what everyone else. They want a change in government. They want to change uh, the whole up, the whole thing out there. And everyone is just like expressing their protest. And people are just like this last picture I saw, they were like in like a famous monument in Chile and everyone just climbed on top of it. There's it looks like it was like towards sunset. So it looked like the sky was on fire, like and like the Chilean flag is up and everyone just is like it's just wild protest. Yeah, I mean first it started off over like uh the president, you know, Putting appointing some people to the cabinet they mm-hmm. felt were, uh, what do you say, corrupt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, it, you know, it's gotten worse and worse. Uh, this was from 21 hours ago. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of people were shot and beaten yeah. as they were protesting. And it looks like it's Santiago, the capital of the country. Uh, but it says here, yeah, like uh, people like soldiers began firing on protesters mm-hmm. and Hundreds of people were killed. So shit is popping off there. The president came out today, it looks like, and made some uh, promises to reshuffle his cabinet after the protests got deadly. But now, you know, as they do tend to do again, you know, remember Occupy Wall Street and how everyone thought that shit like it says the protest grievances have shift to inequality amongst the society and the governance role in it. Mm hmm. Mm. So that's the movement. I mean, this inequality, yeah. you know, economic inequality is, is ridiculous. So, again, we're seeing it pop off in Chile. Hong You're seeing Kong. people in Hong Kong protesting. Mm. You know, uh, these unrest. Paris, you, too. You've seen the rise of authoritarian governments the last few years. Right. And this is the backlash. And it's crazy. People aren't going to fucking sit by. It's yeah. not 1920. Yeah. No. It's crazy because Josh from Public House, we were talking before, and it's just like, Okay, cool. We get that guy out. The next guy who's going to come up is also going to be pretty corrupt, you know? And that's when the, the whole system's corrupt. And, like, the whole system is so it's just tough. That's when you bear that's, – that's, that's the thing is, like, when people don't see results mm-hmm. by following the rules of the system, mm-hmm. the next logical step is what? Breaking Change the, the system. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. the system gets changed. Yeah. And I feel like people – I mean, this is my amateur historical perspective, <laughs> but, like – you know, we've had capitalism kind of rose as feudalism fell, you know, five to six hundred years ago. Feudalism fell apart slowly until it was gone. And you never really knew at what point capitalism took over until it had taken over. Right. And I feel like we're seeing the fall of capitalism start now. Like mm-hmm. it's already I feel like capital, the fall of capitalism already started in like the 80s. Right. Yeah, I think it was unfortunate for us getting into the working environment that it was starting to turn to full-blown corporatism right about when I was born. So I think uh, the next stage is Give yet to be decided. But yeah, and you're seeing it with this this stuff. Like it's not going to stop. It's only mm-hmm. going to get worse. And, worse. and that's what you're saying. Yeah. Like hundreds of people killed. Like it's, that's not going to stop them no. when they don't have anything to lose. Like it's only going to get worse. Yeah, because they're they're at the bottom. You know, like what the f- there's nowhere else to fucking go. Exactly. Right? Like something's got to like, give. Yeah, and these rich yeah. motherfuckers got to learn. They, they got to learn the hard way. I mean, when like, feudalism fell, they mm. chopped motherfuckers' heads yeah. off. Right. People who 
10 years before had been considered God, Mm -hmm. whose literal word was what everyone had to obey, Mm -hmm. were fucking gone. Yes. Right. People are like, wait a minute, what? what? Why are we... Mm -hmm. People woke up like, wait a minute, we don't have to listen to this guy who's a fucking asshole who doesn't give a shit about it. We just go kill him and Mm -hmm. take his stuff? And that's the thing about knowing self and like knowledge and everything like that. It all comes together. And to like be like no, well, that's the thing with greed. Mm-hmm. It blinds like, it, greed yeah. blinds you to everything else, exactly. and you never see the, mm-hmm. your own greed until the people who you've been fucking taken from come take it back. Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, I, you know, I'm just speculating. I'm just speculating. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure no, because maybe his- people will put up with it forever. I doubt it because history never yeah, repeats what, itself. What, yeah. What, <laughs> Right. You're right. <laughs> I mean, I see things yeah, shit saying Ethan Rich more and more, and I'm yeah. like, hey, there's only like fucking ten people we could take out, mm-hmm. and like the world would be a vastly different place. Right. Right. There's seven billion people, and there's like thirty five that are the fucking in control and like have all this wealth of ninety percent of something ridiculous. Yeah, it's like you know thirty. It's like literally like fucking a handful of families and people that are doing this. And I, I don't I don't know if I'll ever be able to wrap my head around people on that level feeling like they need more. <laughs> Very true. Like, I mean Mark I Cuban says it I Mark Cuban says it. the best. He's like, you know, like, what do I need? You know, like <laughs> the, the crazy thing is like the the so like they were like, if you worked every single day since Christopher Columbus landed right, in, right. in 1492 right. and you made $500 a day since 1492 for over 500 years, you still wouldn't have as much money as fucking Jeff Bezos. Right, right. <laughs> How fucking wild is that? If you worked every day, mm-hmm. like, that's a shitload of money. What is that? Yeah. That's like $10,000 a month. Yeah. If you made $10,000 a month for 500 years, for 500 <laughs> years you still right. would be close to jeff bezos this and, month. and it's so yeah. crazy to even phantom that phantom that they have that much money because they literally don't have it physically it's just like numbers on the computer as well right but it's big and his Be- bezos has got enough or bezos bezos whatever i don't care really <laughs> you know matter. who i'm talking about um he you know how many people can buy a newspaper that they're just like, I don't like the president, so I'm going to buy a newspaper and just come out against him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, but you don't mm-hmm. really like, I don't, I'm not willing to say that Jeff Bezos is a saint and that Donald Trump is evil. Right. Because they're like basically the same <laughs> they're both kind fucking, of person. They're both like products of the same system. Yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> It's like choosing the best of two evils, you right. know, kind of thing. It's just like, all right, well, well, well. There, no, these are my no, choices. no, you don't have to make that choice. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's most like, like just like looking at fucking two separate meteorites heading towards you. <laughs> like deep impact. Right. Like, or Armageddon. Like, right. Yeah. You got to take out the big one. Yeah. You got to prioritize this shit. Yeah. Be like, like, sorry, <laughs> Paris. We're going to let that one hit you. Yeah. <laughs> You got to take the L for it. We can't us. take that one out. Right. But this big fucking one. Yeah. There's going to be some sacrifices. High school's named after people. Yeah. Quote the movie. What? Yeah, I see the movie. Yeah. 
Watch it. That's a quote in the movie. <laughs> Salute to you. They're like, name a high school after me. Salute to you, Chris. He loves Armageddon. So um, we went to the Discovery Museum, and I saw something on Armageddon, and I sent it to Nicole. She's like, thank God you didn't send it to Chris, because next thing it'd be another three months of Armageddon on repeat. He loves that movie. I, I have to know about America. Hmm. Is that like, There's one movie that involves science that is kind of like sappy. But, like, it's scientifically accurate. And then there's another movie with explosions and oil miners fucking shooting asteroids. <laughs> <laughs> and which, guess which one people like more. Right. Right. Where the guy rides the fucking, the gun. Like, like in one, yeah. And one, of, and one of them, a bunch of fucking oil, oil drillers fucking yeah. come in and start telling NASA what to do. Yeah. Right. Like Billy Bob Thornton and his fucking five degrees from MIT are fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, America. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I'm <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I fucking love Armageddon, no, but it's no. the dumbest fuck movie. <laughs> yeah, you 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 have to qualify I'm sorry. why you love it. Because if you love it just because it's crazy. Uh, I mean, I love it because Bruce Willis does Bruce Willis things. Yes. Right. And almost kills Ben Affleck numerous times. It does. Right. Yeah. It has Liv Tyler, who for some reason I was excited to see it in a movie at that point in my life. Yeah. Right. Because that was probably the crazy video and whatnot. And then, yeah. <laughs> young, it has young Ben Affleck. Yeah. It has, uh, it has Terry, or not Terry Crews. Um, what's his name? Green Mile Guy. Yeah. Who passed away. Michael He's Clark in it. Duncan. Michael mm. Clark Duncan's in it. And it has uh, Steve Buscemi's in it. Yeah. Too. Like the character actors in it are super funny. Mm. But the fact that they're all oil drillers and then they show up at NASA and they're like pointing out flaws in NASA's thinking. I'm like, and I like right. it that they're just like, they don't give a fuck and they just go out and drink anyways. I'm like, you're not supposed to do this. You guys are going to be astronauts. And they're like, fuck you, NASA. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Plays out like an episode of Archer. <laughs> Except they win at the end. Yeah. That's, what I don't like. That's the whole thing I don't like. I'm like, yeah, I feel like Archer, like, they always fuck up because they're fucking, it's like fucking up the whole time. Space is hard mm-hmm. and terrifying. Watch Gravity. Um, dude i space i'm so terrified of space we should be yeah it's just like it's but it's also what specifically the fact Uh, that we're not designed to survive (laughs) in that environment like i I need a suit for fucking one second yeah i need a suit um it's emptiness like it's just it just my mind gets blown every time i try to think i feel like everyone needs to watch this shit to like put them Mm. in put their life and their place in the world in perspective gotcha because like it's also weird looking at this. Like, looking at we the could stuff. be gone mm-hmm. in a second. Yeah, right. From s- shit mm-hmm. that on a cosmic scale wouldn't yeah. even be a fucking Nothing. fart in the wind. Yeah, right. It's just crazy to think that the stars we're looking at because it takes so long for light to come from died that, hundreds that, of millions of years ago, and we're still seeing those stars. Right. T- we're literally looking into a fucking time machine when we look up to space. Right. And the fact, like, gravity, though, just shows what can go wrong. Yes, and everything goes wrong in space. Because, we're not meant to be out there. Because we're not meant to be there. <laughs> yes. And we're not, like, <laughs> we're like fucking monkeys. <laughs> yeah. Just shooting <laughs> fuck ourselves in fucking in, <laughs> missiles. into. That's how we get there. We're fucking animals mm. shooting ourselves. Like, we don't even understand. We can barely had microwaves we were sending people into space i still think like people don't understand the amazing thing of all the space pro the space mm, programs right. in the 60s right because it takes it takes it takes, we didn't even have color tv and yeah. motherfuckers were on the moon right <laughs> it takes a whole power of us like a week right. a weak city power like new york city right. underneath your ass 
to send you out to fucking space. Like, that's how much energy is excreted. They, with a fucking, like, old, like a fucking <laughs> calculator. Yeah. <laughs> my, an analog fucking, yeah, with right. an analog fucking calculator. My iPhone, is mo- <laughs> my iPhone is more powerful than that shit right yeah. now. And like, I got an old iPhone. My Galaxy S9, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you my Galaxy S9 has more computing power than the fucking shit they were using uh, uh, yeah, to that, navigate to the moon. You, yeah. have, you have the iPhone that, like, if you left it on the table at Starbucks, nobody, nobody would take, nobody would take yeah. it. And it's still like way more than mm. what they have. We've not yeah. like, like all you need to think about how much we fucked up in the yeah. last fifty years. Yeah. It's like back then people were like, the future's gonna be the Jetsons. And here yeah. we are sitting here, fucking still driving fucking gas gasoline powered fucking well, cars. That's another later. that's right. capitalism again. Yes. Like paying people not to make electric cars, <laughs> paying people not to like make a good subway system I in like their how fucking we're just city. Low key against capitalism all the time. Yeah. We never talk about it explicitly. <laughs> <laughs> anyways all right next topic 737 is dropping out of the sky what so boeing came out with a new model of the 737 and i saw it because southwest bases basically they're all 737s the cheaper smaller instead of the huge boeing mm-hmm, ones that mm-hmm. you see right so two of them have fallen from the sky oh now. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay and I then heard about this. yeah so like and it's now like, they're re- and people like, are starting to use them yeah and like People don't like. They rather pay more money to use go to another plane, like use another plane. And the whole article I saw on Verge was because like Southwest is based on this low budget, everything, and they've been making like uh, profits for like the last forty years or something, mm-hmm. like some crazy profits. And they've all based on this one. And now nobody wants to fly with Southwest anymore because like they ha- they all have seven thirty sevens and. To get another model, it's at least an 18-month wait from, oh. from even Boeing. Oh, wow. When you when you Google it, the first thing that's come up is the U.S. lawmakers will press Boeing CEO for answers on 737. It's the MAX model that crashes. And then it's the like, MAX, yeah, the new Four one. seconds to respond. Faulty assumptions lead to 737 disasters. <laughs> Bloomberg, New York Times. Before deadly crashes, Boeing pushed for law that undercut oversight yes. into mm-hmm. safety. Yeah. Oh. I mean, shot. What companies yeah. pay, push for laws that a lot of them skirt safety? Uh, search right. the definition lobbyist, please. Well, right. also that right. leads us directly into fucking PG and E with rolling blackouts <laughs> yes, all over fucking Northern California because their shit is so. For those you know, the terrible fires last year right. were caused by faulty power lines for PG and E. So PG and E's response is like, we're you know, they're being held for billions of dollars, but. The problem is that for years and years and years, they've not been properly uh, keeping up maintenance and replacing their infrastructure. And updating their stuff. Even though they've had record profits and been making millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, they've ignored this. And now the things are so bad that anytime there's high winds, the danger is so bad that a fire is going to be caused. They're just shutting down power to large sections of California. Right. Like today when we were driving back, we were going to stop in Auburn to get some food and go to the bathroom. And every like the whole town didn't have power. Everything was closed up. Starbucks had a power. There was a wiener schnitzel that had like an electric generator in the back. <laughs> right. Like a little gas-powered fucking right. thing mm-hmm. like running the grill. Right. 
accepting cash only and then starbucks oh. had like a backup and that was probably because i know where you're talking about that was probably the first customers that wiener schnitzel's had in, <laughs> in 12 right. years yeah. <laughs> they're probably they making they're making money business because of the, donations it was the same thing in colfax like gas stations closed mm-hmm. ikea's was closed the whole shopping center everything there like and then we were talking to other people who drove over the past they're like yeah we were there at 11 today everything's closed I'm just like it's 2019. This is how, so like because you as a company would well, haven't fixed your shit because they want to make that profit. Yes, because you cut costs on maintenance obviously to maximize profits for fucking stockholders. I feel yeah. like this is just mm-hmm. the beginning line to the fucking downfall of our fucking society. But <laughs> no, just like you said, Jesse, yeah. like cut there, f- there's people with oxygen that need power, right? And now you're cutting these people's lifeline pretty much, right? Like the first thing, PG and E outage, outage map. Is it just everything? They're just like, shutting shit down. They're like, one point three million people in the Bay Area don't have power right now, and that's just in the Bay Area. One point three million people, because it's windy, uh, it's, and it might start a fucking fire. <laughs> like when I when I tell my when I complain about the state of affairs in the world to my parents and my dad says things to me like it's you know it's not that bad i just remember when i was living in dc and there was a power outage and there was a powder outage for i don't even think it was 72 hours it was not even three full days but you'd hear outlandish stories about people like People attacking each other in dark hallways of crowded apartment complexes. People going after each other and each other's cars for just for like bottles of drinking water. Like people were flipping the fuck out because they didn't have Wi-Fi. Can you imagine <laughs> yeah. when clean drinking water and your own children's health or your own parents' health is at stake? And that's across hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Mm-hmm. That's, you know. 32, 32 counties in California affected, and they're saying they might like they might not be able to get power back on by Tuesday, when they're gonna have to shut it off again because the next storm's coming through. So yeah. these people might be without power for longer than they're saying, and I'm just like, people are like, whose fault is this? I'm like this is the fucking company's fault. If the system you've designed can't, this Sustain. these aren't like storms of the century. No, this is just no. a it's fucking fall. It's <laughs> right. It's nothing serious. Like, obviously, climate change has affected this as well. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, also, if your equipment doesn't work in high winds, that seems like a design flaw that needs to be addressed by the company. Mm. If you cannot provide your service because your shit doesn't work in the environment you have, I mean... Well, I don't know. I don't. Salute to Bernie Sanders. He already, he already. I had this conversation with Samantha on the car. I'm like, you need government-owned fucking municipalities, and uh, Bernie Sanders already fucking tweeted, pointing out how fucking PG&E making all these millions of dollars. As soon as things go wrong, doesn't it, like you know this is their fucking response. Mm-hmm. So, right, and there's nothing that people can do. Yeah, they just kind of have to deal with it because they're saying monopoly in power because of fucking I don't even know rich people write their own laws. Yeah, I guess I don't even, and we don't have the time to go examine (laughs) how there's fucking one power company in every fucking state. But anyways, fucked up. Yeah, Um, sports section, World Series is going on. Astros 
uh, are about to win game three, I believe, and go up 3-2 after losing the first two games. Yeah, so game five they're winning. Yeah, it was uh, last mm. time I checked it was 5-1. to one. Yeah, and they were down with 2-0. In the series, yeah. In the series, yeah. Yeah, because the Nats won games one and two one. on the road yeah. in Houston. The uh, This will be... Wait, this is in... Yeah, so this will be the fifth straight road win. Road win. Yeah, it's five to one in the top. It's seven to one in the top of the ninth inning. Wow. So yeah, the Astros are about to win, and then there'll be one win. They got the next two games back in Houston. Yeah. All they gotta do is win one, and so yeah. Wow. And like you know, salutes to the Nationals, but the Astros are a fucking all-time great team. Dude, that oh, team yeah, is, they're yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that team is stacked, super good. Mm-hmm. Even that was like when they won the first two games, and people were ta- acting like it was over and like blah. blah I'm like, that no. team is fucking good. Yeah, they are not tripping at all. And the Nats are like they're the Cinderella story, you know. Yeah. And it's just like they did good, like uh, what Kendrick Ray or Hendricks. Uh, he's doing fantastic. That old man that loves Leica and Rolexes as well. Shout out to you. <laughs> but. uh mm-hmm. You know, like, I love, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. <laughs> I love to see the fucking excellence prevail. I love to see the dominant team fucking dominate. That's right. like, <laughs> part of me, I mean, maybe just because I'm a winner, I don't know. But I <laughs> I root for the front. Like, Get it. A lot of times I root for the front winners mm-hmm. like this. I mean, the Astros are super talented. Please don't be that way with the Patriots. Please. <laughs> no. Here's the thing. Like, I appreciate it. Like, you know what? Fucking everyone else needs to step their game up. It's embarrassing. Like, I don't own an NFL, te- own an NFL team, but I did. I'd be embarrassed yeah. how much better the Patriots are at running I, NFL teams than I. I agree with you. I hope we take them out this year at Go Niners. But it's like I rooted for Jordan's Bulls for the same reason. You know, fucking respect excellence when you see it. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I was grew up a Niner fan. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I grew up a Niner fan. Like, just, you know, I've been surrounded by excellence my whole life, I guess. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. I fucking appreciate it. And like, yeah. to see, like, people mad at the Warriors, like, eat a fucking dick. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah. They're the best. I want to see them win. No, and like, uh, and just like Altuve, he makes me feel like I could do baseball, right. you know? Because we're like, he's I not, root for the underdog yeah. in fucking, you know, political situations. <laughs> right. Goes Apatistas and Rebels in like political situations and yeah. shit. When it comes to sports, you know, like fucking excellence win. Let's it's, see. Especially when I want to see the best against the best. Yeah. When, especially when you like, there's strategies behind everything and like you got money to like, you know, pick your pawns and like. like I wanted to stuff. see, yeah, I wanted to see the uh, Yankees, mm-hmm. or not the Yankees, the Astros versus the Dodgers, just because yeah. the two best teams. Yeah. But then I was like, "Fuck the Dodgers!" So mm-hmm. you know, everything worked out exactly <laughs> exactly how you wanted. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll do I'll do it. Done fucked up my trip to New York though. <laughs> like I want the like I want the NBA Finals to be the Clippers versus the Sixers. I think those are the two mm-hmm. best teams, and that's what I want. And I want the Sixers to face the Bucks in the in the conference finals. And I want the Lakers to play the Clippers because those yeah. are the four best teams. I want to see the best so we get the you know highest level of the shit. Some gladiator shit. Yeah. I don't want to see whack-ass fucking underdog. You know, that's what the NCAA tournament's for. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not like people yeah. are like rooting for Jordan to lose uh-huh. in the second round so you could watch fucking Patrick Ewing. Yeah. No offense to Patrick Ewing, but you're not Jordan. Yeah. Just but. like, you know, fucking, you don't get to see Curry. Like, people are gonna, I can't wait. I can't wait for ten years when people talk about the good old days when the Warriors were dominating. <laughs> yeah, back with Curry. Like, they, I can't wait ten, fifteen years mm-hmm. when people talk, look back, just the same way they do with Jordan's Bulls, nostalgic and shit. Mm-hmm. When you didn't appreciate the greatness while I was here, you little mark ass fucking haters. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, yeah, my song of the week this week. 
Earth Gang, we've been on them for a while. This song is just amazing. I fucking love it. It's so positive. Um, and they're just the way it starts. I saw them perform it live on like video. And uh, you can, these guys are doing their thing. Their music is uplifting. It's obviously hip hop, but it's not strictly, you know, they, you know, you can see they're from the South. They kind of got a gospel like church element to their mm-hmm. music. And this is off their latest album. So the name of the song is Proud of You, Earth Gang. Listen and enjoy. Southern. This time, yeah. All of these dreams that you done made true, all of these things that you done gave to, call on me, I'll carry you. There ain't no thing I wouldn't do. Flying tigers, bears, and all of these things, they can never come between you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, 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 I'm pro
That was Sean's pick of the week, and that was Proud of You by Earth Gang. Just, you know, how can you not get listen to that song and just get excited and get, mm-hmm. you know, pumped up? Like, just a great fucking song. Yeah, and their videos are great, very visual. I can't wait for their video yeah. for this. They don't have one yet. Mm-hmm. But I can't wait for their video. But all the other ones, like, visually powerful. Mm-hmm. Along with the lyrics, like it's a, it's a good. And you can hear like I love it because you, you know, they're from. Like, you can definitely see the influence Outcast mm-hmm. has had on them. Yeah, like the, you know, you definitely see the Outcast influence. Obviously, they're hip hop, but they're not sticking to that. They they've got like the, their beats, like the I feel like Afro Caribbean feel to them oh, a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah. And they're it's just a great. I just fucking I love that style again. Yeah. Dreamville, yeah, J Cole. Like when Nate was here, he's like, "I'm fucking a lot with Earth Gang," you know, and I was like, "We've been playing them for a long time." I feel like they're like the spiritual successor to Outcast because okay. they, they're doing the, like the more and more I think about it, like they're doing their own thing. Like obviously it's hip hop; they got bars, but like their style and shit is out, like a little different. Yeah, you could definitely from, see the Andre Three Thousand influence on their style. Mm-hmm. Like they don't care. It's great. It's great. It's like they've already been with Erica Badu. Because <laughs> she changes men's lives. <laughs> there you go. They just did a bit a new giant mural honoring Outcast in Atlanta. I saw that in Atlanta. Yeah. I saw that. Oh, yeah. that was and it was like a city paid one. Like that's yeah. the big thing about it. It's like that the was city good. paid for that. That, oh, was, that was, nice. was fucking that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's at least forty feet tall. Like probably like sixty feet wide, seventy feet that's wide. Hip hop one. City, you know, hip hop one. Yeah. Hip hop one. Yeah. Culture wars are over. Yeah. Shit's done. Yeah. It'll be done when Reno pays for one. <laughs> right. Next up, we have meandering questions. Okay. Are you ready for this? I believe so. Enter the best of your ability. Okay, right. go ahead. Cease, you want to go first? The last musical artist you listen to? Well, me, really, because I'm trying to memorize my pieces for my show. <laughs> All right, so I was I was I was listening to my own stuff, trying mm-hmm. to get the words down. Awesome. Um, Is there someone outside of <laughs> practically, literally, what your last Michael to? Michael Franti was the last like actual artist oh, okay. that I okay. that inspires me that I was listening to. Awesome. Uh, Salutes to Alex and Coffee Comics. I made a playlist, some yeah, playlist for them. Yeah, and one of them I made a coffeehouse mix with a bunch of Michael Franti on there. Yeah. Nice. Michael Franti, Ben Harper, nice. Jack Johnson, kind of like Bob Marley, laid back. You're speaking my language. <laughs> See, I know these. I, I made one for each demographic. I'm yeah. so proud of these pr- playlists. That's gonna yeah. be. Except I'm when, a sell fucking yeah. playlist to people. Nice. Except when I went in there, it was like some pop music when Salty Brad and I, Himalayan Salt Brad. Oh, they, well, I haven't shared them. Well, you need to because it was some pop music we want to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is a little bit of pop music mixed in. That's going to be know, a good like, in there. That's good. That coffee and comics place is going to be a good place to have shows. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Out. Yeah. Check uh-huh. them out if you haven't. Anyway, all right. Next up. Uh, cheeseburger or pizza? Which do you prefer? Ooh, I'd have to say pizza, but that's tough. Uh, pizza pretty much beats everything what's your favorite pizza place in reno pizza plus i would say classic i'd smash on some of that right yeah. now yeah. right now for sure <laughs> that ranch has got ranch. something in it that oh I'll you know, know. they butter make milk. it with yeah. buttermilk oh, it's, 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 it's powdered God. ranch with buttermilk oh and like a garbage tub i think yeah mm-hmm. Pep- <laughs> like a pepperoni mushroom sausage mm-hmm. jalapeno pizza dipped in that ranch Forget i like to dip it, it in wing sauce and the ranch. Yes, there you yes. Go. There you go. Some places do a wing sauce ranch combo because it's popular, but it's always good to do your own ratio. 
Mm-hmm. Preaching the cry, choir. <laughs> nice. All right, next one. Who would be your dream collaboration? Ooh. If you can work with anyone, any genre. Just put it out into the universe. We'll try to make it happen. Uh, I don't know. Well, I just as far as dreaming big, like he just fucking won the Pulitzer. So Kendrick. Okay, like okay. if I could just throw like that's huge that yeah that he's got the Pulitzer like nobody else has ever done that this little guy from Compton yeah so I would <laughs> again the culture just, one we yeah the culture just, one. We're just just go, just go big like you know I I love a lot of rappers if I could bring back Pac I would yeah. you know I would I would have said Pac because he's a like, poet yeah um mm-hmm. now. Kendrick he just is somebody where there there's not my ego doesn't very easily look at other people and think you know pardon the expression damn that motherfucker is just better than I am but when I listen to him he's just better than I am and I just want to get you got to put yourself around people that just do it better yeah, than you exactly. do to get better at and that's yourself. how you learn I remember Kevin <laughs> I remember Kevin be like Sean why don't you rap like he is on this song I'm like because it's Kendrick Lamar Kevin <laughs> What do you mean? Just you just you think everyone if, if everyone if could, could do it. If I could do that, we wouldn't be sitting in this fucking garage right now listening to you tell these stupid fucking ideas. Just the, like like what he does with his like the way that he controls his voice. He controls it well. He does it. He in sounds tempos. like four or five different dudes. Mm-hmm. Like damn, when damn came out and the first single, damn, I was like, this album, this song, mm-hmm. is fucking perfect. And then he did DNA. And I was yeah. like, I just remember thinking, like, imagine if you were so much better at your what you do than everyone else, like Kendrick Lamar is right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I don't think I know enough to truly appreciate how him. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm looking, you know, when he took the, when they gave him the Pulitzer, I'm like, but I feel like he's raised, <clears throat> he's so good. He's raised the bar on every other MC. Mm-hmm. Everyone else that like, everyone, like people are like, okay, like that's what he's doing. If f- as a fan of hip hop, if you're not fucking striving for that, like I think J Cole is, mm-hmm. if you're not striving for that shit. You're kind of whack. Yeah. Like you, right. he's raised the bar on what hip hop can be. Yeah. And the culture mm-hmm. in general, he's elevated it to a whole nother place. And like, I feel like it. You, you we're seeing all these new artists and shit. They're gonna they're gonna continue that on. Like they're all ten years from now, we're gonna be talking about how Kendrick influenced all these other people. Yeah, like like we do yeah. with Kanye now. And like right. how we were talking right. about Outkast. And Outkast, right yeah. Like mm-hmm. it, it's gonna be you know po- before Kendrick, after Kendrick. <laughs> yeah, pre and post. All right, so. uh you, we kind of touched upon this. Your dream scenario, absolute dream. If you sat back and you could plot and plan everything perfectly, what would you be doing in the next five years, or in five years? Uh, well, in five years from now, I would have already been and completed having been Reno's poet laureate, and I would be continuing to pursue educating myself whether that was getting the full-on mfa degree in creative writing with a concentration from poetry from either unr or snc the sierra nevada college uh but hopefully 
getting in to a, the custodial warehouse at the university campus to get tuition reimbursement so that I can keep working in a warehouse, but use that to follow my dream, which is further education, gaining perspective and putting myself around the people that do things well. Um, and there's a lot of those people on the university campus. Uh, I would like to, in five years, have done two more books. Uh, I'm looking to do a second book called Notes uh, from Above Ground as an homage to Fyodor Dostoevsky's Notes from the Underground um, that is a collection of pieces that I first started to put on to Facebook when that was a thing before I had a website and curate all of those. And then a third book that would be... Um, for starters and stoppers will be the name of that. And it'll be entirely comprised of good pieces to either open a show or to close a show will be the entire gist of that book. Um, ideally still be right here in the Reno sparks area closer to having the house paid off still with my wife that I love very much still with, uh, you know, a dog and just having the space in the desert to go out into the desert and work on pieces and perform for no audience, uh, other than the, you know, the sagebrush and the, the wind blowing around through the Hills, uh, while I'm working on stuff and try to just continue to submit individual pieces and entire manuscripts to, uh, scholarly publications to uh, radio shows, to podcasts like this one with y'all. Just continue to tell stories and put my stuff out there and continue to apply pressure to that wall that's between me and making a living. So if I could ideally, you know, if I'm waving a magic wand five years from now, I'd be doing some sort of voice work where I could work from home and not even have to have a commute. There you go. And... Uh, doing more collaborations with people that I have respect for and showing up to events and making sure I get enough quiet time as an introvert to recharge in between. Well, it's out there in the universe now. Mm -hmm. Let's make it help make it happen. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Let's right. go. Last one. Okay. That's two more. Oh, two more. Two more. All right. Okay. So favorite poet MC kind of touched that a little bit. Well, I, I, I don't know. I've I've always loved Eminem. Uh, I don't know if it's just being similar age or like that. Like it's me against the world, fight back, painted into a corner, just like angry white dude correlation or what. But uh, I've always loved uh, his stuff uh, and Big Sean. Um, but the the one that just really inspires me right now is Kendrick. I, I need I need to learn more about him. I need to learn more of his lyrics, the what he does with his voice. Uh, that he honestly to me, um, it sound there's certain tracks that I listen to. I'm like, shit, that didn't say he had a guest appearance <laughs> on there, and yeah. it's but it's just him, yeah. and it sounds like it's three different people on the same track. Very good you know, talent for storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so I, I would have to say him, but I don't know. I'm I don't know as much about him as I'm hoping to. I've just I've kind of have just recently peeled back some of those layers and thought, my God, the more the digger the 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 deeper I dig, the better I like this dude. The more I appreciate this man. Um, 
Neff is a guy that I saw when I went to Life is Beautiful, uh, also from Detroit, kind of got a similar voice to Eminem, that he's uh, more of a grinder because he doesn't have the same fame or the same popularity or the same financial success. So he's still kind of got that grittiness in a lot of his lyrics of up and coming or wanting to be making it instead of having already made it and looking back type of thing. Um, but then that you, like the very first thing that I think of when you say favorite poets and MCs, I honestly love continuing to just go to spoken views, collective events and seeing what my friends come up with. Cause my friends are good poets and you know, like third the, Wednesday of every month. Yeah. People. The, the people that I know are, are holding it down and, and maybe it means more to me because I know them. So I know some of their life story more than I know some of the famous people. Um, but some of the people that I just meet with and go to open mics with and see them do slam poetry competitions blow my mind. Like I'll be tripping on it at work the next day. Just one line that caught my attention. That's awesome. All right. Last question. Ready? Yeah. If you could have th dinner with three people dead or alive, who would it be? Ooh, three people dead or alive. So it'd be you and three other people. Three other people besides me. So I'd yes. be one of four. One of four at your little dinner table that spans the time. Mm -hmm. oh. Let's say it feels kind of weird to make it three dudes, but... <laughs> just to cover different perspectives and things that I love and really appreciate and am touched by, I would say Jesus, Gandhi, and Langston Hughes. Damn. Yeah, that's a good one. That was yeah, a good yeah. Jesus, Gandhi, and Langston Hughes. Okay. Uh -huh. All right. Just to cover some, a lot of different bases with yeah. those three people, with those three human beings. Um, I don't, there's a lot of... There's a person I'm following right now on Instagram named Lila June. That's a female kind of activist from the uh, has a an an indigenous background, and is into various scholarly works and sharing poetry and sharing stories. And is this amazing person that I'm just now kind of finding out about and reading more about. Uh, so there's just so many people doing so many amazing things in the world besides our current country's leader. Um, that I want to try and just focus on just absorbing as much of that as I can and been trying to be a part of it, like throw my dice into that game and see like what we can do together. All right. Well, congratulations. Thank you. you made it. You completed the meandering questions. And again, you win. That's, that's like six people in a row yeah. <laughs> or everyone. Everyone wins. <laughs> Well, uh, before we go, you know, make sure you guys check out Coffee and Comics again. Salutes to Alex, my roommate. Mm -hmm. We'll be having them on the show soon. Make sure you check out Jesse's show, which again is November 8th, Friday, 7.30 p.m. Uh, the doors will open at 7. And it is myself, Jesse James Ziegler of the Spoken Views Collective, as well as Elisa Slam Queen Garcia mm -hmm. of the Sierra Literary Cooperative and Spoken Views Collective will be doing her thing that night with me. To so make awesome. sure you guys check that mm -hmm. out, support your local poetry scene. Um, 
One other quick thing. My friend from uh, high school, Jeff Tapoli, has started a it's a YouTube page and it's a Twitter account and it's an Instagram account called Skeletrump. <laughs> it's Skeletrump, like Skeletor, like S-K-E-L-E-T-R-U-M-P. Please check it out. It's fucking hilarious. He makes videos uh, and they're like videos with Skeletor <laughs> reading <laughs> President Trumpito's tweets in nice. the Skeletor voice. Right. So please, please, please check it out. It's so funny. You'll get a great laugh. Give him a follow on social media. I want this to go viral just because it's so funny. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it really it really gets it. So I'm going to play something real quick off of it so you guys can hear the first one. The button on the iPhone was far better than the swipe. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that's one of them. <laughs> Just check it out. Yeah. I don't know how he makes the videos. We'll have to have him on, I guess, yeah. and find out. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to check out Niles at uh, the Speakeasy as well. Yeah, that was this, uh, mm-hmm. Saturday, uh, November 9th. 9th. Yeah, so good at Jesse's and then good at Niles. There you go. Yeah. You got your whole weekend planned yeah. out for you right there. And don't with forget, that. Sunday's for relaxing and recuperating from the last two days. <laughs> right. Again, mm-hmm. call if you if you listen to the podcast, again, wherever you listen to it, Please go leave us a review and get, and rate us however you feel we rate. But uh, whether it's on iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, whatever you're using, Stitcher, go. If you're listening, leave us a review if you can. Take five minutes. Leave us a review and rate, rate us so that we can uh, get, you know, start improving those algorithms because we're making moves on the charts. Yeah, because you know, Skynet, that's what the world's based on and its algorithms. We need help. That's all. Mm-hmm. So check that out. But uh, that's pretty much it, I guess. That's it. Um, great episode, and this is Della Photo. And uh, see you guys in a couple weeks, actually. Yeah, thank you again, Jesse, for joining us. And uh, this is Sean saying peace and enjoy cuffing season. Salud. Salud.